0: Hello and welcome to You've Just Got Homeschooled. This is RJ and today I kind of want to piggyback on my last episode. Um, And that one I talked about how people are waking up and I want to kind of expand on that a little bit more and talk about a few things that I've seen recently that I thought were really interesting. So where I want to go with this is kind of twofold. One Um, kind of where culture is going in the end game. And then two, some stuff that I've learned recently was brought to my attention and and I've subsequently learned or at least heard about it. I want to dive into it more about generations and how they operate and what's going on with them. So let's start with cultural end game. Um, You heard in the last episode, and I want to kind of reiterate it and kind of expand upon it a little bit. And it's this. I think many of us who have chosen to homeschool have begun to really see where culture is going as a whole, this overarching culture, and see the kinds of of rhetoric that's coming out, um, the kinds of laws that are being passed, the kinds of uh, media time and space um, that are given to particular causes or particular groups of people, and It's no surprise to me that a lot of people who have what would typically be considered a more conservative viewpoint have become concerned and are now pulling their kids out and homeschooling them. I mean, I know that's part of our reason. Part of it is just a a low quality of education in the area that I live. And part of it is that as I see these laws pass, in fact, there's a couple of them that are passed today in California um, that are questionable at best. Um, one of them, my wife was literally just telling me less than five minutes ago about one that limits uh, medical exemptions for vaccinations. Now, whether or not you agree with vaccinations um, or anti, or you're an anti-vaxxer or you believe in vaccinations, it doesn't really make a difference to me. Um, but I am interested in the overarching issue, which is, do I have the right as an American to decide... What goes into my body and what goes into my children's body? And according to um, the law that just passed here in California, the answer is almost positively no, in the sense that uh, the law basically made it near impossible for parents who choose not to vaccinate their kids to put them into public schools. And again, you can fall however you want to on that. It doesn't make a difference to me, but it does. I am curious as to why like why is it that the government in this case the state government can basically say you have to subject your child to these things that you may or may not agree with whether it's uh, they've already got rid of religious exemptions um i believe and so it's like um you have to subject your kids to this medical treatment or this this thought process which then results in a medical treatment whether or not you agree with it if you want to take part in the services you pay for, right? As an American citizen, as a citizen of California, I pay taxes, both to the feds and to the state, which that money comes back in the form of services to me and to my family. And if I'm paying taxes, it would make sense, seeing as I'm a tax-paying citizen, um, that I should receive the services, you know, the breadth of the services that are offered. Um, and, and what this law says is basically not. And so you know, that's one thing. It's like, well, what's next? Like, okay, now, if you don't have your kid vaccinated for one reason or another, or choose not to, now you can't partake in these services, what else can we then remove if we if you're not complying with what we think is right? Well, we don't, you have to do this in order to be able to say that is that. And so I think that this cultural end game is being seen more clearly now than it has in the past. As the culture begins to shift and move, um, there's more and more People that are being concerned that not only um, are their kids going to be negatively affected by those movements, but also like what actually is being taught ground level, and and the kind of sorting that's being done. In some ways, I think of it like um like a sieve, right? If they if they take and they put all the kids into the sieve and they shake it a little bit, and they say, "Well, we're gonna change," you know, the 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 holes in the sieve. We're not going to let these kids out or we're going to get rid of these kids. And then all what's going to happen is you're going to have more and more kids who end up falling through the cracks um, because maybe they can't, maybe their parents don't want to, whatever. But that's like, well, now they don't, they don't get to receive the services that they wanted because, because of this. And it's not just in education, it's across the board, right? And it's like, well, we're not going to give you the room to talk. Um, you've, I've actually seen this a lot um, with college campuses and outside speakers, where certain groups of outside speakers um, tend to be conservative, more than liberal, Um, the school will decide not to allow the speaker to come, even though they have a legal right to come. They've been invited by a club on the campus because there's protesters. And it's like, well, did you give the same right to another another speaker who was on the opposite side? Well, if you did, well, but there wasn't protesters in that one. Well, that's not the point, though. If you give it to one side, you have to give it to another. That's not fair and open and honest. And so, this cultural in game is just a really interesting uh, concept. And I know that I'm beginning to see it. And and um, I don't know if you've ever read the the books, The Hunger Games, or seen the movies, but I distinctly remember having to read through um, a particular portion where something happens that I I thought it was one way, and then I got halfway down the next page and realized that what I thought had happened had not happened. And I had to go back and reread it. In fact, I kind of remember even what the page looked like because I was so shocked at what happened. But the moral of the story was don't trust them. They may not have your best interest in mind. And we're seeing that more and more. And I think more people are seeing that. Um, in some ways, it actually piggybacks off of, if you remember a few years ago, there was kind of that, that the imminent collapse or fear of either something like um, a conflict between either socioeconomic groups or racial groups or kind of the whole prepper mentality stockpile, because we don't know what's going to go down, that kind of thing. And this is kind of an educational version of that, which is, you know what, I think I'd rather just be more prepared. I'd rather have more direct control over what my kids learn, what their experience, because at the end of the day, like I've said many, many, many times before, I care that my kids know how to read and they know how to do math way more than some random teacher can ever care about my kid individually simply because they're my kid. I get to live with them. They're going to live in my house if I don't educate them well, right? And so, I mean, obviously there's going to be people who don't do that or just are taking the easy way out and they don't want to educate their kids. But by and large, the vast majority of us who've decided to take on the the monumental task of homeschooling our own kids are going to make the decision because we think it's what's best for our kids. And some of it might be motivated by a uncomfortableness or maybe even a fear of what's going on in the rest of the world. But some of it may be motivated simply by, or actually probably much of it is motivated by, you know what? I do care more and I want that to happen. So this is how this whole like end game cultural thing um, ties into my second part, which is generations. Um, a friend of mine went to a leadership conference that was uh, really interesting and, and we didn't get a chance to like, you know, sit down and have a long, deep Talk about it, but we happened to be at my brother's wedding, and he was there. And I asked him about it, and he told me the things he found interesting. And the most interesting thing he found, or that he, you know, there's a couple things, but the one that I took away the most of, he took away a lot from. Um, there's a guy named Jason Dor Dory? Dorsey, I think it's Dorsey, Jason Dorsey, and he's one of the world's leading experts on generations. He, he's part of a a larger conglomeration or a firm that that studies this, and it's used by a lot of. Um, businesses and stuff like that to help figure out what's going on and so he'll talk about like why is it that younger people are leaving Facebook and then use that as a um by doing research and and investigating and asking people and all that kind of stuff then use that as a tool to then market to companies that are trying to sell their products like well where are the kids going you know like if we're trying to target this audience and so my friend is relaying this to me and I thought it was really interesting so I went and looked and watched a couple of his his talks, what TED talk, he did a TED talk and some other stuff. But what I found most interesting is his two things. One, he talks about how generations are getting shorter in their chronological time, like what counts as a generation. For example, typically, historically, generation is referred to about anyone born in about a 20 year period. And he goes, but that's not the case. And he gives the example of who are the millennials, right? If you've heard that term, you may be a millennial. I'm a millennial technically. um, And I'll get to that in a second. But he goes, what is the defining event in a millennial's life? And so he gives the example of, he goes, you know, for my, for my parents, it might be the death of Elvis Presley or, um, you know, the, the, you know, what is it? The Apollo 11 um, explosion or something like that, um, but for millennials, it's 9 11. And so you could not have been, like, you had to have been born basically between 1980 and 1996 to be old enough to remember 9 11 and have it, like, and understand it enough to have be impacted by it. And so he goes, that's a generation, but it's not 20 years by, you know, standard measurements of generations. And he goes, and so, But what we're seeing is with the increase in technology and the fact that technology uh, has grown so quickly, computing power has grown so quickly, those defining moments um, are getting faster, they're speeding up. And so what is, you know, like, I'm a millennial, I'm kind of on the older end of the millennial spectrum. And so I didn't get really hands on to anything real computer wise until high school maybe um outside of like a green and black screen playing Oregon Trail where you could only you know when you're hunting you could only shoot in what is it like eight brackets so you could do up over to you know over a little bit you know basically yeah eight brackets north northeast east southeast south like that right and so I'm a little bit older, but that technology is still like I still had a rotary phone in my home growing up and a corded phone and cell phones came out, but I didn't have access to them until I was an adult, like a legal adult. And so, you know, that that's a generational thing. But with technology progressing at the speed that it is, um, those generations shrink. For example, none of my kids will remember a time before there were tablets but I distinctly remember when I first got a tablet because I was teaching at that point. I was handed my first tablet by the institution I was working for and said, you need to learn how to use this. And so as the technology increases, what's normal changes. And you can kind of have some smattering of that because obviously um, access, parental guidance and parameters and stuff like that will all impact When and what you experience, but by and large, that's why they say, you know, if you got problems with the internet, you go talk to your kids. Or if you can't figure out to do something with a computer, you know, you have a a younger family member do it, um, assuming that they're old enough to be like in that junior high, high school range. I do that too. As a teacher that supports homeschoolers, that's what I do. I'd be like, well, if you can't figure it out, go grab your high schooler or your junior higher. And get them on with you and we'll help figure it out because for them it's just more natural because that's normal. They didn't learn the old way and so they're not trying to relearn the new way. So there's that, right? So generations are getting shorter. But the second thing, and he goes, here's the weird thing about millennials. And I found this fascinating because it's a great explanation of what actually is going on and what I experience in my own day-to-day life. He goes, we've we've seen this weird thing with millennials that around age 30, they self-select and they self-select one of two things. Either they're going to follow kind of the traditional model of job, family, you know, or marriage, family, you know, stuff like that. Or they're going to self-select a different road that is a little bit more like, it's not my fault, right? It's a little bit more blame oriented. Um, I was, I, this is beyond my, this wasn't me, basically. It wasn't me. Someone else did this to me. Or um, uh, it's, The structure's fault, it's the government's fault, it's this other people's fault, and there's not really an ownership of it. And I could be a little bit skewed on this because I'm not perfect and I, you know, I'm not claiming to reflect everything that he has said perfectly, but um, that's what I took away from it. And this is why I think that's important. I see this in my own life. I look at my friends, and and the other thing that he said in, in reference to this, he goes, and this is where you get these two bands, these two like, concurrent generations, where you have one group that does not identify or understand at all with the other group. And I see this myself. I have my friends that I've had many of them for 15 years, um, 10, 15 years. And we are all in one category and we all, there's a lot of resonance If you want to talk about that in the way that we think about things, we still have our differences. We still have our disagreements and things like that, but there's a lot of resonance. But then we have acquaintances from college, from high school, people that we know, oftentimes the same, you know, like I have my friends and we're, we were acquaintances with the same people in college and yet we don't understand them at all. Like we're literally like, how did they come to that conclusion? What, you know, what Kool-Aid have they been drinking? And yeah, and I I know and I know that because that's what all the jokes where you have like, well, millennials are da-da-da-da-da. And and what he was saying is he goes, You gotta be careful when he's talking to the older generations that are doing a lot of the hiring. He goes, But there are two different types of millennials. There are the millennials that will flake out on you, there are the millennials who won't show up to work, there are the millennials who will be like, Well, you need to pay me more. And then there's the millennials who are like, I just need to work. I got a family to support. I need to be productive. You know, like and I think that's important for us as homeschoolers to recognize because we need to be aware of what's going on so that we can then help shape our educational position, like our, our, the way we educate, I should say, uh, our philosophy to help to create the kind of human being, to educate the kind of human being we want at the end. And if there's these forces in society that are that are working against us, we need to be aware of that so that we can then um work on that. And that can be anything. I mean, like for example, um I love being outside. I love the outdoors. I wish I lived in a place that was a little bit more um user friendly when it comes to being outdoors and hunting and fishing and hiking and stuff like that. And it's not bad, but it's not great. Um and I and I have a bent towards renewable resources or renewable energy and stuff like that. Yet it's, complete, it's motivated by a very different thing than what's typically associated with that. Um, I would love to have a house that used geothermal heating and cooling that was as efficient as possible. But that's primarily de- you know, because I want lower bills. And I think it's better if everyone uses less. But we can build to do that rather than just consume, consume, consume. But it doesn't mean I'm anti-consuming either. It just means I want to be more careful about it, right? But yet, typically, if you were to take kind of the stance of like, oh, you want solar, or you want this, or you want that, then somehow you must be fit into this category. And yet I would say, no, actually, I don't. Um, at least I don't feel that I do. I just want to be realistic. It's funny because you actually see this a lot of times with... Um, your your PETA, your animal rights activist types who are like hunting is evil, and then you but but PETA doesn't give as much money to conservation of game species and just nature as hunters do, and so it's kind of like but you think that just because they want to shoot it sometimes means that they don't like it, when in all reality typically the people who want to hunt are the people that are most interested in actually keeping everything all together and well, and so um, but that that generational difference is important because I might end up with, with you know, how quickly the generations are shrinking as far as defining time timeframes. Um, even though my kids aren't that far apart, I might, in, might end up with, with two generations there. Uh, or I, I would probably not three because my kids are close enough together, but two generations. And I know people who have kids that are in high school and then kids that are in kindergarten. And they're definitely going to have functionally two generations within their own family, even though they're 15 or 16 years apart. You know, maybe not even that much twelve, thirteen years apart, because of the way defining moments work and because of that and but that also means that we need to shape um, the educational path that we choose to to send our kids down to to put them in a in a the best position possible for a future we can 't fully predict and that 's really what I want to encourage you in with all of this is is that one, I think that we are seeing as a whole, society is seeing, or at least sec- segments of society, maybe it's those of us who are millennials that have kids that have opted for the, the family career route, um, personal ownership and responsibility route, are saying, wait a second, I see where this is going and I don't like the end. And as long as we're party to that system, um, as long as we're participating in it, it's not really not gonna get any better because it's controlled by people who have very loud bullhorns um, but maybe no sense, and it's not worth yelling, trying to yell over the bullhorns when I can just pull the power cord, right? Remove the funding, remove my kids from the school system, um, and let them fall apart under their own weight. Let them make themselves hoarse to keep with the analogy, and then secondarily that the the the, the changing of generations. Um, has its great benefits and its great detriments because the other thing that he talks about, uh, Jason Dorsey talks about, is that it's not that the younger generations are better. Um, that Actually, everyone can value from interaction with the people of both younger and older generations. right? The younger generations end up defining a lot because that's why we go to our kids to learn new stuff um, because it's kind of there at the forefront and it's normal, it's natural for them. Um, And so we can learn from them, but they can also learn from us. And that's, you know, being a history major, I love history. And I love that background story and being able to look back to generations well, you know, well gone, long dead, and say, what do they have for us? In fact, I was uh, teaching a class today and I uh, brought up the fact that oftentimes uh, modern The way that modern history teachers or teachers of history will bring up people of the past as if they're ignorant. You look at textbooks sometimes and you'll see like this, well, isn't it silly that they believed in X, Y, or Z? And that's just very pretentious and snobbish to me because I realize, well, yeah, maybe the Egyptians believed in, you know, a pantheon of gods, but can you build a pyramid? Like... Can you even figure out how to move a piece of stone that big? So I'd be careful about judging them and saying, oh, aren't they stupid? When they did something you couldn't dream of doing without modern machinery, even with modern machinery, right? Could you survive if your food wasn't trucked in? And someone else was doing the slaughtering of the animals and the processing of the grain. Could you do it? So just be careful with that. And so I think that there's a great benefit when we can look back to the people, even the living people and, and go talk to them and say like, what was life like for you? And what can I learn from it? Because if you, when you had to read that book, read every book, cover to cover, there was no, there was no cheats, there was no um, you know, outlines, or the little flimsy guides you can get that 'll give you all the important parts of you know Shakespeare and you don 't have to read the whole book, what can you learn from the person who sat down and read the book, all of them every time that wrote on a chalkboard you know that that learned long division and there was no calculators. What can we learn from them and then bring it in to our modern day context because although what we we may be able to do it faster in some senses. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's better because they learn discipline in the way that our kids may not. And so there's the interchange there that's very valuable. Um, I think that's it for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about this kind of stuff. I, I can sit and engage in kind of this, this slow rolling conversation on society, on history, on education and how the world is and how it has been and how it's changing um, probably for days um, because it just it all is this big tangled ball of yarn to me. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, please like, subscribe, hit the buttons, click the links or click the stars, leave a review, um, share with a friend. Please, as always, share with a friend and um, follow us on Instagram, podcast. And I will see you again later.